Welcome to Games Growth with Uptick, a podcast about the discipline of scaling digital games. We speak with industry experts and investigate trends to highlight the strategies, technology, and tactical methodologies you can use to profitably grow your game to massive global audiences. If you're interested in learning more about Uptick, visit us at uptick.com. Awesome. Thank you all for joining us. We have a great episode for us today. Why doesn't everyone go around and introduce themselves? Sure. I'm the co-host, as normal, Warren Woodward, <laughs> co-founder of Uptick. I'm Melty. I'm the co-founder and creative director at XP Foundry, who is developing Runiverse game. And I'm also a Metaverse and Web3 Gaming Council member at the Global Esports Federation. Ryan here, not to be confused with Ryan Wyatt, our CEO at Polygon. <laughs> um, I am on the business development team for gaming here at Polygon Labs, advising and onboarding the best game developers across both Web 2 and Web 3 and helping them get on chain. Yeah, we have quite a bit to discuss. Sort of the high level arc of what we're trying to cover on this episode is talking about how in the past past year or so, we obviously had a very bullish perspective on crypto and crypto gaming in the midst of the bear market over the last several months. We've seen sentiment turn and now we're sort of in the build phase. That's what you hear from anyone who's really, really bullish on Web 3. And um, just want to talk about what that means for we're seeing as like a macro trend and then what that means for the specific projects that you guys are each working on. So uh, just to get started, I think maybe just go one at a time and talk a little bit more about yourself, Melty. We'll start with you. A little bit about your background and what the projects you're working on are and how that matters for the context of what we're discussing here today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think I've been in crypto since 2015, nowhere near gaming. I did see, you know, the rise of crypto kitties and Axie Infinity. I actually, I think I minted the first Axies like during the Meal Corp time. So I still have those. During that other time, I went into doing events. I do have a background in IP purchase and distribution. I'm quite passionate about video games that has a very strong IP trajectory so I study a lot about like Angry Birds and League of Legends and you know like their journey expanding from being just like a fun video game to being basically like pop culture references going into web3 gaming started for me uh, like first half of 2021 I think that's kind of when conception started for Runiverse myself and three of my co-founders two of which are you know game building veterans uh, we kind of got together and we were like yo the games right now they're not really fun they're not what games are at that time so that's what really like kick-started it for us and then of course we all combined our powers together and um, decided to yeah make make Runiverse and one of the main things about Runiverse is the fact that I really wanted people to care about their pet roos and um, they wouldn't like dump them on the floor and all that stuff. So that was like kind of <laughs> where I built the first, you know, where we designed the first features around was um, making sure that it was fun, that it wasn't, you know, just financial incentives. And, and Melty, for new folks, can you give a little description of, of what the roos are? I think they're really cute and awesome, awesome IP. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. So Runiverse is a free-to-play mobile game. The genre is a Hyper Royale because it's a mix of a few things. It's casual to mid-core, multiplayer PvP modes, you know, some party game modes, there's some UGC, there's social features. So it's very much just a game for you to enjoy quickly or with friends or, you know, in multiple settings. It's not hardcore at all. Wide breadth. Um, but yeah, the roots themselves, I think, is what people really like. They're these cute but savage little creatures. So they look a little bit like puppies, at least the ones that exist at the moment. And they fight each other to the death. It gets a little bit bloody. It's not gross. It's just cute and stupid. And they fight for, for glory. And there's a bunch of pretty funny, cool lore that comes with them. They can make weapons out of anything. They're pretty stupid. They run around like they're going to fall over, but they don't. So... 
yeah, it's definitely fun to to watch as well as fun to play. Awesome. Thanks, Melty. And Ryan, why don't we go to you? Talk to us a little bit about your journey into Web3 gaming and catch us up to how that's brought you to what you're doing with your current team at, at Polygon and what you're building out now. Yeah, absolutely. So I was a pretty avid gamer growing up. Um, I didn't really envision myself going all in in gaming. And then I, I started really, I guess, at an ad network. So on the ad tech side, both as a strategist and a salesperson where my my job was really to advise Fortune 500 companies on their media distribution strategies primarily within mobile apps and help them monetize efficiently and having to convince, you know, the Coca-Colas and the Pharmas of the world to invest in games really opened up my eyes to what a often underlooked industry um, gaming is and also just how much potential there is. I was actually getting my MBA at Columbia and I had the opportunity to take some crypto classes. I'd invested a little bit back in 2017, but really didn't know what, what was up. And through that class, I really realized that gaming was kind of the core of of the beginning of crypto. It combines so many different things. It's gaming, it's DeFi, it's tooling, it's infrastructure, it's everything. And gaming just in general tends to be this proof of concept that precedes a lot of mainstream technological innovation. And it really is no different with Web3. And so back in mid-2021, I joined the Axie Infinity team, um, which is where, of course, I met the wonderful Uptick team and was helping kind of think through the go-to-market for the free-to-play game origin. It was an awesome experience. It kind of reaffirmed that I wanted to continue down this path. And when Polygon came around, um, really focused on this ecosystem play with some really interesting people coming from traditional big tech. That was kind of my my signal that I wanted to join. And so now at Polygon, um, I'm really building bespoke commercial strategies with game partners, but also anyone that is touching games, including wallets, tooling, marketplaces, and really helping to further facilitate Web3 adoption because it is ultimately what I'm really passionate about. And we're in early days, but we're really just getting started. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah. And, and an extra shout out to Ryan for those we're recording this podcast on March 14th. Uptick just announced yesterday a formal partnership with Polygon, some cool things we're doing to support their games. And we've got a deep dive episode with Irv from Polygon. It's going to be coming out in the next week or two, kind of going deeper on Polygon's game ecosystem and that partnership. So both of you are really trailblazers, I think, at the forefront of Web3 gaming right now. And also, I see you both really playing the long game. That's been kind of a cool thing about the bear market is a lot of the noise and the cat people after quick cash are out. Ryan, I actually want to go script a little bit. I know you just came from South by Southwest. I think large conferences are always a good chance to get a read on the pulse of the industry. We're going to be a lot of us going to GDC next week on the West Coast in the US. What was kind of the vibe that you were getting, like maybe to set the table for discussing like this moment in the market? What's the kind of consensus that you're getting boots on the ground lately, the vibe in the industry for sure. uh, where Web3 Gaming is at? You know, South by Southwest, I wasn't there last year, but from what I heard, Web3 was really the focus of a lot of those conversations. I would say this year, um, that sentiment has shifted a little bit more towards AI. Not to say that Web3 and crypto and all of that wasn't prevalent, just definitely not to the same extent that I think it was previously. And I think that's just reflective of some of the general market sentiment. But Ultimately, um, I'm still bullish, of course, um, on where things are going. And there were still projects that were certainly interested. I think it's more um, tackling this perception for Web2 people in general that 
believe that crypto is a bit of a scam. And while I would say that there's obviously corners of the industry that have behaved badly, it's really, I'd say, true um, of every industry, particularly new ones. And I'd say crypto's main sin has really just been getting a lot more attention because it's new and exotic and also threatening to a lot of intermediaries that are scared, I guess, by its efficiencies. But I would say specifically at South By and what we'll see at GDC is there's just so many well-intentioned and high-integrity teams that are pushing through general market sentiment to build really interesting and exciting projects, not because they you know, want to scam anyone, but because they're really passionate about the synergies. And so I think people are just building their head or building their heads, um, focused, heads down, building. And that's why maybe at some of these conferences, it's not as much of um, a fanfare as it was historically, but it's still definitely there. How about you, Melty? What are, what are you seeing? You're obviously in a different part of the world in, in, in Asia. And I know you're you're super connected, super online, pretty active in Twitter spaces and I think a number of communities. How would you characterize like current sentiment, both within Web3 gaming, like those of us that are active, but also kind of the mainstream view of Web3 gaming at this moment? I honestly think that the current market conditions have made it so people are more selective and more they really want to make a better understanding of what's probably going to work and what's not going to work what features we thought were really cool that other people might not care about or that might not give us you know the boost that we need in the gaming industry it might be some other stuff and i think that's what teams are like currently freaking out at the moment and when i say selective i mean like a shitload of dev teams really choosing properly what web3 features to put into their games or into their products and i think that is definitely for the best because it's not like every single feature of web3 is going to work in a game it, and it doesn't have to work and that's fine we're really all yeah. it's like like you guys said in such a new market that a lot of what these trailblazing teams are doing right now is trial and error a lot of people before us have walked so that we could run and then we're running so that all these other new teams can literally like perform long jumps <laughs> That's a good metaphor. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that I think that context makes a lot of sense. I think you kind of touched on something that is interesting and worth talking about because if we try to timestamp this, I think the three of uh, four of us we're all pretty steeped in what the Web three ecosystem looks like, but I'm not sure our entire audience necessarily knows that. So I think that's one of the things that might be interesting to just give some table setting for. I mean, I guess we can start with Warren here and then go around the table briefly. Just like <clears> can we give a little bit of like call it the six month history of where we've been and where we are now in the context of the Web three ecosystem? Because I don't want to make the assumption that the audience knows that. Yeah, that's a good point because our, our audience, I'd say, is from across the swaths of gaming industry executives, not just Web3. So, I mean, you know, I think I personally came in at the same point of a lot of people during the initial huge Axie boom a couple of years back. And that was, you know, huge credit to the Axie team. I think that was what created a lot of the excitement and builders in the space right now that were activated. And so, you know, we saw following that boom, huge influx of capital, ton of new game teams forming and a ton of projects kicking off. And this, I would say, created like the huge bubble period of 2021, all this fervor around these new and unproven teams. At this point, a lot of that's dissipated. I'd say we had a 1.0 model of play to earn that was highly uh, copied from what had worked for Axie in that first era. And, you know, to, to the Axie's team, Axie team's credit, they quickly learned, you know, the need as they grew of need to develop nuance and evolution of that model. But meanwhile, there's a lot of teams that copied that 1.0, but with arguably worse products or products that never shipped. And so that led to at least gaming's role, from my perspective, in the current collapse of the market. Crypto overall collapsed. Gaming itself is in a little bit of a downturn right now. 
now. And so Web3 Gaming being at the nexus of those two things and also having a lot of quick to market and hastily executed products, I think kind of brings us this moment of time where there's more negative stigma in the market than I would say is merited for the long term, but justified in the short term. I think there was a lot of bad projects that launched early to capture that money. I'm curious, Brian and Melty, you know, that's kind of my take on what brought us to this moment in time. Do you have any different takes? You know, like we'll talk about the future, but just would you characterize the current sentiment in the same way? Do you have any tweaks on that that narrative that you've seen different from your perspectives? I would say that's a pretty accurate representation. One of the things that you kind of touched on is that a lot of the hype, especially within gaming from 2021, even into 2022, was hype among speculators in particular. And right. What we're seeing now is that there's a lot of awesome projects that are really just more or less focused on like really fun and interesting gameplay. And so that's helping to usher in this new wave that appeals more towards traditional gamers in general. Like there, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. One of the things I want to articulate to the audience, which I don't think they necessarily know, is can we talk about what are the key features of a thing like Oxy, like the double tokens governance? So can we talk a little bit about the context of like, what are the features that were copied in the first wave that now we're seeing maybe flushed out of the system more in the games that are now focused on games first as opposed to crypto first games? Does yeah, that make that's sense? a good point. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's riff on that. Like what really defined the 1.0 era of gaming? And I would say, yeah, there's some sort of NFT that can be used in the game as a character. And there's usually a two token economy, one what you'd call like the, the game token that was used primarily in game and one which is typically called a governance token that is like a, an ecosystem token you could say it or in some way it relates to ownership of the overall gaming economy this is at least like the thesis of 1.0 does that sound right melty ryan yeah so the governance token and then the game token mm -hmm. is a direct comparison to an in-game currency so mm -hmm. world of warcraft gold silver credits all of those became in inflationary token in the 1.0 Web3 gaming model. Right. And, and to Ryan's point, who is the audience in this 1.0? It was highly um, driven by speculators. And we saw that in the activity in these games. It created almost a gig-based economy for some of these games of farming these tokens, extracting value, selling these tokens, and in some ways created a false positive of the demand in the market because uh, it wasn't necessarily demand driven. It's almost independent of the quality of the underlying game. It was seen as a financial opportunity in this 1.0. And uh, the success of games were tied to ability to extract value from them in my view. Also to Ryan's point, I think going into this next era, we've seen teams adapt. A lot of the speculative audience has gone from crypto for the near term. And so now there's people using the technology of Web3 and saying, okay, how do we use this to just make a more compelling game and uh, make it a game first? And I, you know, this is part of why we wanted to highlight Runiverse is I think you guys have really put a game first model and taking your time to ship a, a quality product. So yeah, I think that's how we define the first era. And then Thank maybe you. we can, yeah, go ahead, Melty. Oh yeah, yeah. No, um, I mean, I, I can probably add, I mean, not add on, but like clarify. Mm -hmm. So the speculative audience or the other players that you're talking about is what we refer to now as the play to earners yep. and play to earners that can be translated quite simply to people who are playing just, it's like a job. <laughs> They're yeah. playing like a job. And so at that time, with all of the experimentations going on with, with what a fun game will be, it didn't, that wasn't actually a real need for a game to be that fun. It just had to be like kind of fun, quite simple. But the, the main incentive was the earnability of it, which is why we yeah. all say now that play to earn doesn't work because how can that be a game where everybody wins? 
that doesn't right. make it's sense. And so now the yeah, so now the pivot in the whole space moves away from the play to earn narrative. It even moved away from the play and earn narrative, and now it's literally just like play. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I I think it's really, really important that you call that out, Melty, because I think these two things get conflated. So that pushback that I've gotten from a lot of my traditional gaming industry friends when talking about Web3 is they'll always push back with like, yeah, but play to earn clearly doesn't work like that clearly failed. And it's like play to earn does not equal games built with Web3 technology. It was a, yeah. a model and it's not the it, it's a it's a primitive model at the end of the day. And I think now we're evolving that model. Yeah, unfortunately, what the- that's what stuck with the. The traditional gamer, so they think sure. that that's all that crypto gaming is. Sure. Well, and one of the th- reasons I think we're really bullish on, on Polygon, and I think we're going to go to you with this, is like Polygon is doing a really, really good job of expanding the ecosystem for what it is to be a Web3 product, right? And I think maybe that's the thing we go next is like, let's talk about sort of what are some of the things that Polygon is doing to highlight, not just that it's an NFT or it's an NFT game, but expanding the pie to mainstream audiences. Can you talk a little about what some of those initiatives are and what are good examples of people doing this in the new, the better, the new way, basically? Not not a non-extractive model. Sure. I think on that point at Polygon, we understand that, look, we're blockchain and we would love for everyone to be building on us. But at the end of the day, the core user, whether you're a gamer, whether you're even in DeFi or you're a Starbucks loyalty member, you shouldn't necessarily know that Polygon is behind it. You know, blockchains are kind of like the operating system of the future. And so a lot of our focus has been in 2022 on onboarding, you know, the large Web2 brands, the Starbucks, the Nikes, the DraftKings, because at the end of the day, there's just so few Web3 gamers in particular that we really need to prioritize onboarding these mass audiences to make crypto feel a little bit more approachable. And so what I've been really noticing is some of the most successful games especially now, are the ones that are free-to-play and mobile that you wouldn't necessarily know include any blockchain technology. And we're already starting to see like some mobile games like Arc 8, you know, take NFT IP from, you know, Cyber Kongs or Crypto Unicorns that have really devoted NFT communities, but help bring them over into more of this Web 2.5 kind of area. And so I think that's what we've been successful at historically and what we'll continue to prioritize in the future, because as much as we want this Web3 future, we do need to kind of handhold people through that. And so I think the Web 2.5, as we call it, is really that sweet spot where you can have really fun game experiences that incorporate blockchain technology without necessarily making it at the forefront of the experience. Exactly. So not making it the value proposition because that's not what it is. It's the feature. Yeah. So Yeah, and it yeah, enables I, I, things like ownership and transparency that any gamer can identify with without it being just specifically related to the technology itself. Yeah, I completely agree with you here. And I think that more people are really starting to understand this. Like, why would a game go around saying that it's a Unity game? That doesn't make right. sense. Right. So, if that's your main, yeah, if that's your main selling feature, <laughs> like, then like you got some real problems with, with what you're building. No, like and, players and, just want to play and they just want right. to like, they don't need to know like, oh, it's on this chain and this chain is way better than that chain and they just want to buy so sorry so you call that one arcade i if you guys have other ideas one, one of the things i'm very curious as to who's doing this right like what are the gold standards of the people doing web3 games well arcade was one that you just call out ryan are there any other examples that either of you have in terms of or warren obviously you do a bunch of web3 gaming as well what are like really projects that are doing the 2.0 which is a term i really like ryan a 2.0 version of gaming well and what are the key features of those games that are really making them differentiated in this new age of web 2.5 gaming yeah i can start here i mean i think to ryan's point there's a number of 
of teams that we're seeing that are taking an opt-in model on Web3 gaming experiences. And I think that's really the model for the near term. You know, some of the, the teams that were close to like Falco with The Harvest, Project Alune with Star Garden, these are games that are going to be, you know, free to play games first and foremost. And then if you don't want to, you never have to participate in a Web3 ecosystem. And when anyone who has studied free to play economics knows that there's basically like a, a curve where at the top of the curve, you have your most invested players that usually have the most disposable income and disproportionately power the economy. And I think that game developers are starting to realize that like you don't have to just build your entire project for people who are willing to spend $500 on an NFT or whatever the ridiculous prices were that we had in the bull market. You just build a compelling free-to-play game where as part of your economy, you have you know ownable, collectible, digital items and other you know ways that you can implement like a web3 layer that enhance the experience for those that are like your most engaged kind of highest on that curve players and give them opportunities to be like even more activated to purchase things that are not just like you know in-app purchases that go into a black hole when they buy them but to get you know rare items in the game that they can hold on to and trade in the future and I think that's what I've seen these teams maturing to those that have survived the bear market that continue to get funding because their ideas are good is that the key feature is it that we just we're back to free to play I mean, do you guys have, do Ryan or Melty? Do you do you all have an opinion on that? Well, I think yeah. it's an it's an and. It's not an or. Sure. That's 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 what I'm positioning, right? I am a huge advocate for free to play. I believe that if a game, the more accessible the game is, obviously the more player population, and then the richer the, the economy is for the game. So for me, free to play is kind of a no brainer at this point. Mobile, that's a bonus. You know, more people have mobile phones than they have computers or consoles. It's very, very accessible. I do think that the basic progression loop should be completely free. So a free to player should be able to download the game, play it without having to do any sort of like wallet or token shit. And then if they want to play on more of a premium layer, and I'm not talking about pay to win or anything to do with like combat perks. I'm talking on a premium layer, get some access to extra things, theory crafting, uh, you know, unlock some really cool cosmetics, you know, maybe take part in incentivized UGC or, you know, custom maps, user-generated content, that sort of thing. They should be able to just unlock their wallet through like an in-app purchase or like flat fee with their credit card. Sorry, it's so late. Um, <laughs> and then get access to their NFT, which we don't even have to call NFTs. Why do we have to call it NFTs? People are like, what the hell is a non-fungible token? It's just like a digital collectible or an in-game asset. I have a really strong... I think, feeling about, you know, the way that we are presenting these blockchain features to just mainstream audiences. I also wanted to clarify that I don't think that every single game that utilizes the blockchain needs to go mainstream or be free to play. I think if that's what, if you want to be mainstream, then you should go free to play. But there are games that can still be called blockchain games and they are kind of more classified as like indie games. Um, right. And their their goal is like they, they want to be a game for that chain. And so that's okay. So I think that's like, you know, you do your thing. You've seen ones that I think are successful, you know, like BR1, for example, on Solana. They do, um, I think, spawn, like kill to earn. You, you pay a little bit to spawn and then you kill and then you get some back. I think that's really cool, you know, but... Yeah, it's different that's, that's from like point. the ones that we're talking about. Right, right. And and that's something that I think is really underrepresented is sort of what is the indie version of Web3 gaming where it's not about... Uh, it's all you know, indie we focus, right now. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, yes, yes, and no, because there's games that are raising you know ten, tens of millions of dollars or more um, to go to market, and with the VC backing comes an expectation of mass market penetration in order to justify that, right? But there's nothing saying you have to go down that road. You can bootstrap, you can make a, a cult classic. I mean, there's plenty of cool teams doing that. We tend to focus more on those games that are going really mainstream because that scaling work is is where our team's focus is. But that's a good point, Melty. It's not like this is the only model, and there isn't a thriving indie Web three scene as well. Yeah. The one thing that you called out, which I think is actually a really interesting mechanic, which I expect to see pretty ubiquitously, is what you, the unlocking the wallet for an IAP or flat credit card fee from a mobile game. I haven't seen that in a game. Maybe that exists today, and I, I just haven't experienced it myself. That seems like that's going to be the standard going forward. I would expect yeah. to see that basically everywhere once this becomes sort of mainstream with the games that are doing this on the mainstream. Okay, well, one other thing I want to talk about is like we're talking about this transition to mainstream. And one of the things I, I always ask, you know, I've said this a lot on the podcast, but I play a ton of games and I've tried many Web3 games and I'm infuriated by the experience of playing Web3 games generally. And I want to talk about what are the different pain points that still need to be solved in order to make the transition from where we are today to the mainstream. What is sort of what are like the mental hurdle barriers? What are some of the infrastructures we need to solve? Uh, maybe Ryan first, do you, have a, do you have thoughts here? We kind of alluded or touched on it before with just wallets. I mean, that is kind of the, the be all end all right now with onboarding people into crypto. You have to jump through like 30 different steps to set one up. And it's just it's hard. You want to introduce new technology without creating additional barriers for gamers or anybody else. And so I think from an infrastructure standpoint, we're definitely seeing, at least on my end, some of the capital is dried up for investing in game studios specifically, but a lot of that is now focused on the infrastructure side. And so on-ramps and off-ramps have definitely improved. I think we'll continue to see some of that with wallets as well. But that ultimately, for me, is um, one of the key factors to getting more people just generally in the industry. And then the other side of it, um, I think, is regulation, but that, that'll come later, hopefully. Hopefully, U.S. seems to be a little bit behind what Europe is doing. Um, they're going to be announcing Mika and how they treat, you know, digital assets. But that's kind of the other side of it is for, I think, some of these bigger companies, they just don't really want to operate in this regulatory gray area. And so after just user onboarding, um, that seems to be a really big pain point and focus for people. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, Melty or Warren, do you have any thoughts about this piece? Oh my God. R yeah, Ryan was making me think a lot because you were me saying too. that yeah, like, well, so many VCs are in, uh, investing a lot in infra. It's very, very true. We're seeing, you know, funding dry up a little bit for game studios, which is such a shame because this is the time when the game studios, the good game developers are pivoting if they haven't already pivoted. So, I mean, obviously... Pivoting everything away to Web3 or pivoting no, to no, Web3? Pivoting to realizing that Web2 and Web3 are not mutually exclusive. Right. That these are all just sets of features. They're pretty dis disruptive features, right? As we've all agreed. But um, we're starting to see benefits that we thought were super cool, like 100% decentralized games. Maybe that's not what people are looking for. Maybe uh, do gamers really care about 100% true ownership? Are we really there yet? You know, maybe not yet. So I think what I mean to say is like all good developers, all good teams that are building games, they know how to pivot and they understand, you know, the plus or minus expected value in doing so, teams who keep themselves in this type of reality check, they know to look at whatever they're building from a viewpoint of like a developer and also a publisher. So what if this game isn't successful? You know, what if this feature sucks? You can't yeah. know 100% how players will react and you have to test it. So teams that are fluid like this, like they're well prepared, but they are able to build without constrictions to always be able to problem solve and be like water when things kind of like 
change, especially in a market that fluctuates so much. I think that those teams do deserve attention and and support and funding because these are the teams that are going to be you know leading us into this new inaugural breed of you know games. So it's such a shame, I think, that the studios and these games are now getting you know less support. But it's that's the reality of it. Obviously, infrastructure is something that's going to make a lot of things possible for these developers. I don't know. It's it's such a like little paradox for me. We yeah. also ran an analysis last year, and it's something like there's like seven billion dollars of VC funding in new Web three game studios. So I think there's okay. probably there's probably okay. a lot of funding. Oh, there. I mean, like, can they come to me? Because we just open <laughs> we just open well, seed round, and we're like, huh. Like, I, I mean, that's, that's the irony about this moment in time, right? Which is like all of the cash grabbers are primarily out of the market. The game oh, yeah. teams are more mature. The products are further along. You can actually see gameplay footage and play these games. The valuations get, are down. And get traction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Valuations, the valuations are down. Are, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like the, it's never been a better time to invest in the space, but it's never been a harder time to uh, raise capital for the really legit teams. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm just glad the intentional Ponzi's are now getting absolutely kicked out of the door. And just now it's like, it's, it's, it's a great feeling that, yeah, um, you know, riddance. fun... <laughs> fun experiences which is where it's supposed to be at is it's going to be the main incentive and you know if you want to make money through a game you can but it won't be for grinding eight hours a day on it on a game that is not going anywhere yeah ryan were you trying to say something i was more or less going to agree i think it's almost this might be in disagreement with melty but some of the top games, um, game studios, especially the more Web 2 that are migrating into Web 3, realistically, they're not going to have trouble raising, I think, um, just the strength of their team alone and the roadmap that they're able to um, kind of project. It is the smaller indie studios that are going to have a harder time, at least initially, but raising a seed, not an easy time to do that. But if you have yeah. any sort of retention metrics, users, anything to latch onto, that is so few and far between in the space currently that those are the projects that won't necessarily have as much trouble. And they shouldn't because at the end of the day, the, yeah. the valuations from last year and the teams with no game experience that were raising insane amounts of capital, those days have come and gone. So I think it's unfortunate for a lot of the teams that are strong and do need that funding, but it's also, in my opinion, a bit of a good thing as well. Warren, you've looked at You've talked to a lot of game companies that are dancing around the space. I'm curious what your sentiment is. I know you have, we don't need to say any names, but I'm curious your perspective on what is happening with sort of the behemoths in the Web 2 game space, how they've pivoted quickly into Web 3, and then what their long-term strategy is now that the, the market sort of cooled off. I'm just curious if you can speak sort of broadly to what you're seeing and a few examples of what you're seeing in, in that context. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, everyone's being very reactionary in the traditional gaming world. So, you know, they were all kind of late to adopt. Like we had the boom of OP gaming and I'd say in the, the second, like probably two thirds of the way in, call it half of all large game publishers announced Web3 initiatives and hired aggressively for that, funded that. And then the bottom fell out of the market and it was particularly hammered home, you know, with, with the events around F FTX. And we've seen a ton of those initiatives canceled before the games even shipped. But an interesting byproduct of it is we saw this bifurcation where I'd say that a lot of the legacy companies really pulled back in the current you know, bear market economic conditions, really pulled back or canceled their Web3 gaming initiatives. However, people got a taste of it. A lot of those leaders we've been seeing leaving the legacy gaming companies and starting, founding new startups that are building using Web3 technology. So it's very interesting because it pulled leaders in legacy gaming into the space, not through the existing infrastructure. Interesting. Yeah, that is 
I mean, it makes sense, but it's it's interesting. I, I want to kind of go a little off topic, something we don't really cover, and I'm not sure who to throw this to, but one of the things we saw over the last week is a major, basically two banks in, in the United States collapse as traditional bank runs occurred. And that's something that we haven't seen since about 2008 in a sort of major scale in the United States. And one of the interesting downstream side effects of that is both Bitcoin and Ethereum, and probably most of the altcoins, which I haven't been tracking as closely, are having major 25% up bull runs. I'm curious, guess anyone who has an opinion here, what is the implication here for gaming, but also more broadly, the technology space as a whole? Because obviously this is like a pretty interesting development now that we're actually seeing crypto being used as a flight to safety away from USD, which is not something that anyone really expected since the most recent crypto crash? It's it's a big question, right? I don't think we're going to see like impacts this week on, you know, Web3 gaming, but it's about the infrastructure. It's like, why, why do we all give a crap about this technology in the first place? And we're seeing the most primitive use case, which is decentralized digital assets that aren't tied to a traditional banking system, kind of the, the, the 1.0 of, of crypto. We're seeing that use case potentially manifest in a real way for the first time. Not in a long-term way, but it's at least making uh, people on the cusp be like, oh yeah, this is why this technology was built. In similar ways, any belief we get in the technology overall will ultimately be good for those building in Web3 gaming. I think sentiment on all things Web3, all things crypto was just at a you know such a low over the last year. People just didn't want to touch it. And so I think as people just warming back up to practical use cases for decentralized technologies, it's a couple of steps in where they you know realize the very practical use cases to make gaming and game economies more robust. So ultimately, I think it's a good long-term thing for the space. I don't think it's going to change anything for teams raising yeah. funds this month, but maybe, you know, three, six months from now, hopefully better conditions. What do y'all think? Yeah. I think what it is, is we're seeing the effects of a gateway drug. We're seeing people start to say, oh, this is why it's cool. Or not, um, not everybody, but people who are curious, you know, now they're going to go in the rabbit hole. And then it's just more people being more curious and maybe opening their minds up a little bit more to look into this and look into why people like us can see that this is like beneficial. It's like I said, it's like, um, it's like trying something for the first time and being like, oh, got it. It's cool. At the end of the day, I feel like this industry kind of implodes like once a quarter at this point. And for a lot of the tourists are kind of gone from the industry or have been. And so the people that are really focused right now are the ones that are the true believers. And it's just building through the hype cycles and understanding that some of these like macro factors are interesting to look at, but not necessarily like the be all end all. Because I mean, it's been a year and a half that I've been working full time and it truly is um, one thing after another. And it's unfortunate in a lot of ways, but it also just doesn't change my standpoint. It doesn't change anyone that I work with internally and like we wouldn't be, you know, building and focused on this if we didn't have that conviction. Yeah, makes sense. Agreed. So let's let's take a longer time horizon. Let's look out three years. What does the future of the space look like? We'll just go around the, the around the table. We'll start with Melty. The future of the Web three gaming space. Web three gaming space. Yeah. Go. I mean, this can this isn't, doesn't have to be super high probability. Obviously, you can't see the future. But you it's know, okay. What, in three in three years from now, how do you see this uh, unfolding? It's okay. There's going to be so many, so many, so many games with earning capabilities. It doesn't have to be play to earn. It can be create to earn. It can be whatever move to earn, sleep to earn. Uh, die to earn whatever people are coming up with at the moment but there's going to be so many of that and players are going to gravitate to the ones that have built the most fun so i think that just really is the most simple answer 
that I can give. And it just goes back to where we all started, which is humans just want to have fun. They like narrative, they like story, they like adventure, competing, social aspects. So whichever games are able to nail that as we did in traditional gaming, they're going to be the ones that are mainstream and that, that has made it. Hard to disagree with that. What about you, Ryan? I fully agree with that. I think, you know, it takes so we focus a lot of the conversation on like these quick free to play mobile games, which can get out to market quickly, you can iterate. And that's really been the focus because it takes so long and so much money to actually bring like a triple A game to market. And so I think in the next few years, we're going to see some awesome triple A games that are actually out and people are playing them and they're awesome. In addition, of course, to your more like casual games. Um, So I'm particularly excited about that. And then I think it's just back to general user experience. In the early days with MP3s, people used to be, no one you would say like, oh, did you listen to that new MP3? They were just like, oh, did you listen to the song? And I think that kind of association with NFTs will also be gone where it's just expected among people that you have ownership opportunities um, with an NFT in a game in particular, you can buy, trade, sell. And so I think those will be things that are just more commonplace, both in gaming and beyond. I think most startups to a certain extent will be incorporating blockchain and NFT technology maybe not in the next three years, but definitely within the next 10. And I think we'll look back and laugh on, you know, some of these really specific terms that really don't project the full picture of what exactly is going on. It seems very disparate from just the way that like current consumer companies operate when in reality it is a lot more integrated than I think we expect. Right. We've been conditioned for digital goods to be worth zero. And that's so that deconditioning is slowly occurring. Agreed. Warren, how about you? My main prediction is we're going to see one major breakthrough that checks two major boxes. The first is like exceeding the the fun and streamability and virality factor with something using Web3 technology. And the other is addressing the onboarding problem in a seamless way. I think if a game can check both of those boxes, then we have our first breakthrough hit for the segment. And I mean breakthrough hit as like appealing to broad swath of gamers, not just big in the Web3 ecosystem. And it could be this year, it could be something like what Dr. Disrespect is doing with Dead Drop. It's at least a game that's like pushing that thesis. But I do think it's, I I mean, I'm betting my career on that it's a, a when, not an if, that something will check both of those boxes. And I think once we have a good precedent of that, that removes a lot of this baggage around NFTs and the crypto ecosystem and some of the low quality projects and scammers, and also just shows that not only can a game be at that fun level, but that fun can be enriched and that engagement can be enriched from this technology, then I think it's game on. And then I see we think we see a huge reactivation of the space. And the teams like Runiverse that have been you know, building during this grimmer period, I think are going to be well positioned as well as obviously like, you know, the, the top games that Polygon is uh, supporting. And so I do think that those that can suffer through this time and land on the other side with those products that withhold, not just being a, a crypto game, but just like stand on their own two feet, they're going to be really well positioned for when that breakthrough happens. Thank Agreed. you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. Really appreciated your insight here. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you and learn more about your projects, uh, where can they do that? Let's start with Melty. Okay. Um, Runiverse is at playruniverse.com. Our Twitter tag is the same, just playruniverse. You can come in and take a look. Our alpha is open, free to play. It's only 20% of the game. But I promise it is fun to play and to watch. It's hilarious. It's so stupid. With friends, you can play in a custom lobby. I don't need anybody to read the white paper, read anything about the game. You literally just have to download it and play it. It's a good sales pitch. Thank you. Awesome. Do you want to spell Runiverse? R-O-O-N-I-V-E-R-S-E. It's like awesome. universe, but Runiverse. Yeah. 
Got it. Thanks, Melfi. How about you, Ryan? I'm going to regret saying this, but Telegram. <laughs> reach out on Telegram. Um, my handle is at Ryan, R-I-A-N-R-A-B. Um, it's just where everybody seems to be in this industry. And so I will be most responsive there. If anyone wants to reach out, chat about Polygon, their game, um, anything along those lines, happy to. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Warren, take us out. Yeah, Ryan, Melty, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coordinating your very disparate time zones to make this episode happen. And uh, really an honor to chat with both of you as, as builders in the space and uh, leading on, on the forefront of where gaming's going. So as always, the episode was brought to you by the team here at Uptick. Here at Uptick, we do all things to help games grow. We have our own uh, growth platform, which we're going to be sharing more about in the coming weeks. This is basically all of the tools that our engineering team has been building to scale the games that we support. We're starting to license these as standalone tools, which we're really excited about. And if you couldn't get it from this conversation, we're very bullish on the future of Web3 games. We support these games from very early stage to when they're going mass market. We'll help with building out the full strategy, developing the creative, doing the Web3 native marketing, doing the mass market scaling to millions of players. So wherever you are on your journey, if you're building something really rad, please reach out to us. We love meeting new teams. And best way to do so is through our website. It's uptick.com. That's U-P-P-T-I-C.com. Awesome. Talk soon.